chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 16 to 18. I say this one will be short, but next week uh, I'll make up for it. I can't figure out a way to make next week short. So, uh, And can I put in a request for an opening hymn to start next Sunday school? Is How Firm a Foundation. Okay. All right. uh, I think we're going to need that next week. Anyway, we got that stuff out of the way. Uh, today we're going to be looking, like I say, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 16 to 18, and we're going to see cancer of the faith. Uh, so if we hopefully we found our passage, I'm going to read it. We'll have a word of prayer. It goes like this. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. In their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I do thank you for bringing us a little bit of sunshine today. It's been kind of a dreary, dreary few months here. So we thank you for that blessing. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons that it has. We ask that you'll guide us through it and that you'll show us how we can be more like you. That's what we're here to do. Help us to trust in your everlasting arms because you do have this world in complete control. You are sovereign. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. So as you might recall, we'll have a little bit of backup here. You may recall that last week we were looking at the word of truth, right? And the proper division of it, rightly dividing that word of truth. And how we were supposed to make being a workman that needs not to be ashamed ought to be our top priority. Well, today, right beside that, we're going to look at profane and vain babbling. Kind of the opposite. Remember, I introduced that last, last time. This kind of reminds me of what we saw way back in uh, first, first Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. Let's back up and look at that where Paul says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Paul tells Timothy to avoid them there, 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, and he's telling him to watch out for that here. So these sort of empty words are apparently a very real threat to a godly walk in Paul's mind, isn't, aren't they? I mean, if he refers to it in both books, this must be very important. Isn't that interesting? Now, if this is such an important thing to make sure that we avoid, then what is it exactly that we're talking about? What does he mean by uh, profane, vain babbling? Well, we're talking about empty, useless chatter that has nothing to do with godliness. Now, I know it says uh, profane. It's not necessarily talking about what you and I might refer to as profanity, swearing, bad language, and things like that. We're not really necessarily talking about that, although that's included, and we'll get to that in a minute. Mostly what he's talking about is just simple, mindless chatter. Do you know the sort of conversation that I'm talking about? Do you know the sort of people who use that kind of conversation? Okay. 
I don't need to make any examples or anything. You, you know where, I'm, where we're going. But our Christian walk is so closely linked to preaching and teaching and other verbal communication that in Paul's mind, there isn't any room for idle banter. You see, the, our, our conduct in life and our conversation as we go through our Christian walk are so closely linked that there's not time for any superfluous stuff. We see that as uh, Paul goes on about this in many, many of his letters. In uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 18, let's take a look at that. Let's see how much this is in the forefront of Paul's mind. Romans 16, 18. He's talking about other people. Uh, well, let's back up to verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They're deceiving the hearts of the simple. Uh, skip over just a couple of pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus reprimanding the Jewish leaders for saying one thing and doing another. Brother Fisher's right in the midst of that right now. And that kind of tells me that what they were doing, if they're saying one thing and they're doing something else, they are vain babbling, aren't they? If you don't even believe it enough to act it out in your own life, then that's vain speech, isn't it? That's vain speech. So what Timothy's facing isn't unique to Timothy, is it? Not even unique to the first century church of Ephesus, is it? It's very alive and well today. It's not unusual today. We don't have to go far to see it, do we? But notice that the King James calls it uh, profane. It does say profane. So some of this conversation is just uh, vain babbling, just empty words like the babbling of a brook, just muttering. Some of it's like that. Some of it's just mindless. But some of it's actually designed to show that the speaker has zero concern for honoring God. That's profane. Like I say, not necessarily swearing or anything, but we're talking about language that's actually designed to show, demonstrate that they have no concern for the things of God. Did you know that some folks, just by simply droning on and on, show that they aren't really interested in honoring God? That they'd just rather hear themselves talk? Did you know that our language ought to show that we have a genuine fear of God? It, people shouldn't have to guess whether or not we have a real fear of God. When we open our mouth, they ought to realize that. Our language ought to show the gratitude that we have to our God for the things that he's done for us, right? No matter how simple that might be. Our language ought to glorify him every time we open our mouth. 
our language ought to lift him up so that people around who are hearing us can't help but realize how important God is in our life. If we aren't doing that properly, then it's just mindless. It's profane. It's profane because it's showing that in our life, God really isn't that important. If we're really doing, living our Christian life properly and using our language properly, we're not going to have time for mindless banter. So Timothy's told by Paul to avoid these sort of people. Avoid those kind of, you know the type of people, Timothy, you can see them right away. And I know that these images are coming to your mind. I don't have to put them, plant them there. You've already got them in your mind. Avoid those kind of people. Why? Why? Well, he tells us. It's not a difficult question. Uh, let's see. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. That's why. Because it's going to increase into more ungodliness. They're wrong right now. They're profane. It's vain. At best, it's a waste of time. At best, it's useless. But it's going to get worse. Right now, they're just simply useless. My grandpa Tuttle used to have an uh, expression that he would say about things being worse than useless. You know, you know something that's useless, and then there's worse than useless. So actually, it's causing more grief then if it were just useless, I can deal with it. If it's worse than useless, it's worse than useless. These sort of people are like a whirlpool. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger until there's no escape anymore. And they pull men into their trap deeper and deeper. These people aren't headed anywhere that Timothy wants to follow. But Timothy doesn't just have to watch out for himself. He needs to watch out for these folks in his church as well. See that they don't get sucked into this useless banter as well. You know, useless talk has a tendency to drag you into it, doesn't it? We love to talk about all kinds of stupid, silly junk that we shouldn't be talking about. Shouldn't be wasting, not necessarily bad, but it's a waste of time. When you know there's a whirlpool in the area, shouldn't you give it a wide berth? Verse 17. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Notice exactly what it is that their teaching does. By the way, that's, uh, that word, word, the word translated word is logos. Same thing that's used of good teaching. This is just bad teaching. Their teaching eats as doth a canker, it says. We're talking about the doctrine that these vain babblers are teaching. Now, some of these vain babblers are in pulpits in churches even in America today. You realize that, right? And their words might be empty and they might be vain, but their teaching is very real and it's very active, isn't it? It's empty and vain words, but the teaching is active. It's actively eating like a cancer. Actually, 
It's like a wasting disease. The, the same Greek word used for canker here is the same word that we get our English word gangrene from. Just like gangrene eats away at healthy flesh and rots it away into nothing, so does this empty chatter. It rots away on the inside until there's nothing worthwhile left. And gangrene will eventually kill. It'll get you every time. Teaching that is empty and has no substance is like a disease. That's a very good metaphor that Paul's using here, by the way. And people who are giving empty kind of teaching are a mortal threat to the church. They're a mortal threat. Well, it's just, it's just useless, empty chatter. No, it's not. It's actually a mortal threat. It's going to eat the church away. If it doesn't have substance to it, it's, it's worse than useless. Now, we know that Paul isn't speaking in just general terms here either because he calls out a couple of examples by name, doesn't he? You know, Timothy, you don't have to look too far. Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, you see them, you know them, Timothy. Now, in fact, uh, Hymenaeus was mentioned back in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 20. Let's back up and take a look at that. Timothy was very familiar with this Hymenaeus guy. Uh, Let's back up to verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, another guy he was palling around with, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Interesting, very similar to profane language, isn't it? These are people that Timothy was well aware of. Back in 1 Timothy... Uh, Hymenaeus was hanging out with a guy named Alexander. Now he's hanging out with a guy named Philetus. He's dragging other people into this, you see. Now, church history tells us that these guys were Gnostic heretics. We can look at sources outside of the Bible. These Hymenaeus, Philetus, and Alexander were Gnostic heretics. Not unlike modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons both came out of the same false teachings. Uh, and allegedly, these guys taught, Hymenaeus and Philetus we're talking about, they taught that they had already been resurrected, that they got resurrected when they became Christians, and that if you follow their teachings, you'll bring God, Christ's kingdom to earth. That's what they were teaching. Kind of sounds like Jehovah's Witnesses, doesn't it? If you follow the uh, teaching of Charles Taze Russell, eventually you're going to bring Christ back, and we'll set up the millennial kingdom, right? Mormons are doing the same thing. If you follow Mormon teaching, you're going to have your own planet someplace in outer space, and you'll be able to rule. You're laughing, but that's what they teach. We can definitely see false teaching destroying good God-fearing people even today, can't we? It's a very real threat. And it hasn't died. I mean, they, they call, if you look in church history books, they call these guys Gnostic heretics. We call them Jehovah's Witnesses today. It's the same thing with a different paint job. It's the same thing. Verse 18. Who concerning the truth have erred, 
saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Just like I just talked, they, they taught that the resurrection of Christ had already happened and that as soon as you accept Christ, you've already been resurrected into your new body and that's, we don't have to worry about any of that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more in a minute. It, but it says, who concerning the truth have erred? The word erred here is astrokeo, astrokeo in the Greek. It only shows up two other places in this form in the New Testament. Let's look at them. If it's only two other places, we better look at it. And they're both in 1 Timothy. So it's right in the context that we're talking about here. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 6. From which some have swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, the one that I really want to look at is right next door to one we looked at earlier, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 21. We just read 20. It says, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. That word erred, estrokeo, means to depart from moral and spiritual standards. To depart from moral and spiritual standards. When it's used outside of the Bible, it's a good idea if you want to understand what Greek words mean, it's a good idea to read contemporary Greek texts. I'm reading Herodotus's histories right now. Uh, he was a contemporary of Daniel, by the way. If you want to know what was going on, uh, like reading news reports of, that was happening in Daniel's lifetime, read Herodotus's histories. He'll tell you all about what Darius the Mede was like, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing. But if you want to know what this... Uh, Astrakeo word means outside of the Bible, it's referring to an arrow missing its target. It's used a lot in the Odyssey. Astrakeo. Hey, he shot, he missed. Hymenaeus and Philetus have turned aside from the truth. They might have shot at the truth, but they missed it. They've missed the mark. Now, what is the mark? What is the mark? What's been our focus throughout this book of 2 Timothy? The good, solid gospel teaching of Paul and the other apostles, where Paul has told Timothy, stay in that teaching, that teaching that I've told you. Remember it, Timothy. Teach that. The teaching you got from me, teach it. We've seen it over and over and over. That's the truth. These guys missed it. See, the problem that they have is that they're trying to instruct others when they're still in darkness themselves. They're trying to teach others when they're still in darkness themselves. That's kind of what we saw back in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Let's look at that. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. They're doing worse than just speaking out a turn. They're actively spreading untruth. And these lies that they're teaching mislead those folks who are around them. And in the end, it says, they overthrow the faith of some. See, they do this by twisting 
the truth of the basic teachings of the gospel, namely the example Paul uses is the truth of the resurrection, and you see, by teaching that the resurrection had already come, and that they're just waiting on Christ to come back and set up his kingdom, they've really removed any sense of moral responsibility, haven't they? Think about it with me. If we're just sitting here waiting for Christ to come back and set up a millennial reign, then what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Go ahead. Live, live your life how you want to. I'm just waiting on Jesus. You've heard the term, right? We're just waiting on Jesus. You're saved after all. You can't lose that. We know that. We're taught that. We're good God-fearing Baptists, right? We know we can't lose our salvation, so just ride it out until kingdom come. And we've got plenty of people in churches doing just that today, don't we? I'm not even talking about Jehovah's Witnesses now. I mean people who claim to be Bible-believing. If they aren't sharing the gospel with a world that's dying, then what are they doing? They're just sitting in church pews waiting for Jesus to come back, right? If you aren't actively sharing the gospel with this dying world around us, then you're just sitting in a church pew waiting for Christ to come back. And you're no better than Hymenaeus and Philetus. It's just as bad. And this kind of teaching, that kind of action, is overthrowing the faith of some. Did you know that when maybe new Christians are watching you just sit in the pew waiting for Jesus to come back, not sharing the gospel, you're overthrowing their faith, whether you realize that or not? That's sobering. That word overthrow here, it's a form of anatrepo. Anatrepo. And it means to destroy. To absolutely destroy. It's used in Titus, chapter 1, verse 11, same page in the Pew Bible. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Destructive nature of this false teaching. The only other time that it's ever used in the New Testament is in John chapter 2 and verse 15. We ought to read that too. If it's only used two other times, we better read it. John chapter 2 and verse 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. He completely destroyed everything that was going on in the temple at that time. That was Jesus, by the way. And a trepo. That word overthrew is the same word. So as we wrap up this last thought, Hymenaeus and Philetus were worse than just misguided in their doctrine. Yes, they were. They were misguided in their doctrine. They missed the actual gospel truth that Paul and Timothy were teaching. But it was worse than that. They were a two-man wrecking crew actively destroying the faith of some brand new Christians in Ephesus. And you and I can do the same thing with empty lives and empty words. Watch out for that ho-hum attitude of Christianity that we can fall into so easily.
because it's just as destructive as what Hymenaeus and Philetus are doing. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Mind if I close in a word of prayer? Lord, we do thank you for the poignancy of your word. It's always to the point. It's always very clear. And it always cuts deep. Help us to be able to assimilate these teachings and these lessons from your word by the power of your Holy Spirit and let us guide our lives by it. I do believe time is growing short. And we're looking forward to your return. But until then, help us to stay focused on our task, to share the gospel with a dying world. It's in your name I pray. Amen.